0: It's time for Lime Ninja
1: Radio.
2: Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Lime Ninja Radio. I'm your host, McKay Rippey. With me is my producer, Aurora. Hello. And we're happy to finally get this episode out to you. We want to acknowledge that we're a few days late, later than we'd like to be. We try to get things published Sunday evening, but we ran into some technical difficulties with the audio quality on this, and it just took us longer to get it out. And we wanted to make sure it's right. So I think you'll find it's worth the wait. So, Aurora, tell us about Dave.
1: Dave Skidmore was bitten in 2009, noticing the bullseye's rash after a family excursion. Uh, Although he was treated right away, his symptoms reappeared after his prescribed 20 days of doxycycline. And this began a series of doctor's visits that lasted two years before he was properly diagnosed. And As a result of his struggles with Lyme and his frustrations with being unable to receive proper treatment, Dave was inspired to create a series of cartoons called Lyme Loonies, which has gained popularity in the Lyme community and was picked up by I-L-A-D-S to raise awareness for Lyme.
2: Thanks, Aurora. And here's my interview with Dave Skidmore. Hello, Dave. It's McKay Rippey.
0: Hey, McKay. How are you?
2: Quite well.
0: Awfully nice to hear from you.
2: Likewise. (laughs) I'm glad to be on the phone with you.
0: Well, I thank you for the call.
2: So I've got a question for you. Yes, sir. When did you start drawing cartoons?
0: Gosh, McKay, I also had in bios or otherwise, I think some of my... Cartoons are still on the, on some school desks somewhere. <laughs> uh, so you know, I, I, I've been drawing since I was was a kid, but I didn't really start taking it seriously until a few years. ago.
2: I had a suspicion that you were elementary school cartoonist.
0: <laughs> yes, and, yes, and I paid for a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> Little
2: after school activity.
0: Yeah, 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 that or standing in the hall was where you could find me a lot of the time.
2: So were your subjects the teachers?
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh They could have been that or I've always found laughter, if you will, to be my defense mechanism. And whether it be handing a note if you will to another kid with a cartoon or that sort of thing uh and as i say i got caught many many times
2: tell me the story of the time you got in the most trouble
0: i was a really horrible student and i i mean spitballs you know making jokes in class aloud i suppose the class clown or one of them uh I, I had a few friends that liked to share in those activities. I did many a thing that, <laughs> that, that I look back and kind of cringe on. As I say, school and I didn't get along too well.
2: So did you make it through high school?
0: I barely made it through high school. I, uh, I, I, uh, honestly, I, I don't know how I did looking back. And in fact, I was so bad a student that when I finally did graduate, I honestly, it was either just get a job. I had no intention or inclination of college, so I went right into the uh, military and spent a good few years with them. It certainly was a, an awakening. <laughs>
2: Well, the military can be boot camp for humor.
0: Yeah, well, there again, I I must say I chose my humor a little bit carefully, more carefully than I did in high school. The, the, the drill
2: sergeants didn't make you stand out in the hall?
0: <laughs> no, no, as I say, I, I chose a little more carefully with those guys as as opposed to high school. But uh, as I say, that, that was quite an eye-opener.
2: What was your job? Were you in the army?
0: No, actually, I was in the uh, Navy, and I was a parachute rigger, and I was attached to a fleet in Virginia Beach. Yeah, and we would go out on these carrier calls on an aircraft carrier uh, for you know a couple of months at a time with five thousand other guys. That that was fun, and I would packed parachute and made sure that the pilot's gear was survival gear was intact and so basically everything we did we had to put our John Hancock on and if something went awry they knew who to look for
2: yeah that's serious business
0: yeah as i say at 21 or 22 i maybe i didn't take it quite as seriously but looking back it was was no joke
2: did did one of your uh, I don't know what to call them one of your parachutes ever get used?
0: Um, not that I know of, and you know I did that for what was I in for active? I think four years. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if any of us ever knew that. I I don't know. Huh. Uh, and if one did have to, I suppose I would have known had it not opened. So. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what I did in the in the military.
2: So then you got out. Then what did you do?
0: Well, I I bounced about. I got out of the military and immediately jumped into a, a crew of guys I knew who were uh, house framers, <sighs> and I was a house framer for some time. Then I kind of worked my way up and got into remodeling. And I I did that for some time. And believe it or not, I from there, I found myself in sign painting. Or I should say I I got into sign painting. And I suppose given the artistic side. And I went to a, a little art school in Boston which taught sign painting. And um, I got out, sign painted, and I, you know, did everything from trucks to the sides of houses for real estate adver- advertising. I did pinstriping on trucks and motorcycles. It was cool. I I I sometimes wish I had stayed in that. But, uh, I didn't.
2: Is there still a call for sign painters or is it all digital printed on vinyl stuff now?
0: A, a lot of it is is just that, is, you know, is the vinyl stuff. I mean, there's still some guys out there doing it and making a buck at it, but they're certainly not like they used to be. And a lot of them do get into the fabricated stuff and the vinyl stuff. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go in that direction, so I, you know, I did it for for quite some time on my own. And um, at one point, knew a lot of guys from the military with that drove, you know, motorcycles. And you know, as I say, I did a lot of lot of pinstriping, you know, by hand. Um, uh, so I enjoyed, you know, anything essentially, you know, working with my hand, And I suppose. The cartooning, to to a great extent, although um, conceptualizing and coming up with the ideas is is a different a different road, if you will. But it's still working with your hands.
2: Yeah, you're creating things, right?
0: You're making yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. As I say, whether whether it be with wood, or as I said in the sign painting, or now in the uh, the cartoons, and most of which are. Uh, <laughs> as you know, Lime cartoons at this point.
2: Yeah, so how did you get exposed to Lime? What's that story?
0: Well, I lived in Pennsylvania and uh, spent my last few years of high school in in Pennsylvania. What parts? uh, Allentown.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: And I went back actually to visit my dad who lives outside of Allentown and we, we went for a hike. This is back in November 2009 and went for a, an excursion in the woods. He, my sister and her daughters and we came out of the woods and we were, <laughs> we were, we were covered in the things. I, I mean, I was actually brushing them off my dad's jacket
2: no kidding
0: yeah and i got back to brooklyn new york where i live and i took a shower and uh i felt something on the you know the back of my arm and i my first thought was well that's a mole i haven't felt before and uh got out of the shower, and it was drying off, and looked in the mirror or at that spot, and there he or she was having its meal, and with it was about a good three inch bull'seye,
2: really already, huh?
0: yeah, which I guess many, many don't get or and or ever see, but yeah, I-
2: especially with the tick in the middle, that's pretty unusual,
0: yeah. So I, at which point, I really, honestly, at that point, I didn't know much, if anything, about Lyme disease other than hearing if you ever get one, you can burn it off or put some Vaseline on or the old tweezers. And I went for the tweezers and upon trying to pull them out, left some remains in my arm and gross as it may be, I sterilized an Exacto blade and tried to cup, yeah. <laughs> cup the rest out. And uh, even upon doing so, could still see little black remnants, if you will.
1: And, um,
0: I, you know, called my doctor and she said, well, let's, you know, let's just in case, let's put you on 20 days of of doxycycline, and that's what we did, and the rest, I suppose, (laughs) is is history. So did that
2: take care of it for you, or did things kind of come back after you went off the doxy?
0: No, I I went off, I did the 20 days, and within about, oh, three to four weeks, I started coming down with the all-too-familiar flu-like symptoms. No kidding. I remember at first it was you know chills and sweating and body aches and nightmares and my muscle twitching so this went on and at that point as I recall mid to late November you know went to my doctor who went on to say that you know it's the flu really? and uh, this continued for some time and thus the beginning of the end regarding the doctors that I saw thereafter and probably upwards of 25, all different kinds of doctors. Certainly, uh, not even my own, uh, upon giving me the doxy uh, and with the bullseye, you know, even mentioned the possibility of wine. That went on for almost 2 years.
2: Well, any good doctor knows that chronic Lyme doesn't exist, so therefore it can't be that.
0: Well, no, exactly. And thus the 2 years, but uh yeah, brutal. I yeah, I, I don't I, I'm sure you've heard enough at this point even to to know, but i tell you for me, I'll never forget going over to a major store one day to pick something up and all of a sudden this was the first real experience I had. There was a lot of headaches and neck pain, but I, I'm standing in there, and I and the next thing I know, I, I didn't know where the heck I was or why I was even there. I can't tell you how long it went on for until I was able to gather my thoughts, but that was the beginning of all the neuro goodies. Um,
2: so then with all this medical professional help, in quotation marks, how did you get to the point where you figured out, no, this has to be chronic Lyme, and then begin to get help for it?
0: Well, I actually will never, ever forget that moment as long as I live. And, and I actually keep trying to uh, – I've got to make a note and write this guy a thank you note. I went to see an eye, ear, nose, throat doctor in New York City, and I, she took one look at me and heard my symptoms and said, look, go see this guy. He he does some wonder things. things. Uh, she said nothing else in regards to I went to her because I was having such bad, you know, tinnitus and yeah. loss of hearing in the left ear and ear pain and all those kinds of things. And she told me to go to this guy, and I did. And I remember we sat down. You know, I was telling him my tale, and he looked at me, and he said, let me ask you, have you ever been bitten by a tick? Hmm. And McKay, I about fell on the floor. Yeah. Because I, I, I still don't know as I knew enough about Lyme at that point, but suddenly there was at least, you know, some sort of, something to grab onto and he did some blood tests and we all know about the testing or lack of and uh he said well you got some major bands here but you don't meet the cdc criteria and the crazy thing is the bands have got i've I, i must have had i think at this juncture seven Probably spinal taps.
2: Oh uh, no, kidding!
0: And, they're uh, torturous, aren't they? Oh no, they're they're a blast. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I'll never forget being in the hospital at one point and hearing the nurses say that they were going to let a student oh, do no. his very first spinal. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 truly had all I could do to contain myself, but uh, like,
2: like hell you are. <laughs> you
0: know, I, as I say, I,
2: practices on you.
0: I, I, I was as polite as I could be uh, under the circumstances, but I, I did make it very clear that I wasn't all too pleased. But um, you know, got through it. So you know, much like. So many of us, uh, you know, have been through the ringer with this stuff. I, so, I, so
2: let me let me ask you, I, the, like you say, the story is it's amazing how many versions of this story there is. You know, it's like yeah. the, the greatest story ever told, and and there are a million variations of this. What is your take? You know, I've heard lots of people with different explanations why, but what's your take on why this happens? Like, how come the system, the doctors, the, all these smart people have this so wrong?
0: Well, I think to get right to the point, it's about money and uh, politics, insurance companies. And I have always found on Facebook, especially, I started through a friend of mine who's a very famous cartoonist. He said, you got to get these things out there. And I started on Twitter. I actually met a woman who's helping me with a hopefully uh, hopeful book at, at some point, uh, Sarah Donnelly, who's the co-founder at Inanna House. Uh, her mom is very well known in the lime community. But the bottom line, McKay, I, I've done a lot of political stuff. And, and my point was that they aren't as popular as the stuff that people can relate with personally. But I kind of, since day one, have wanted to voice my own thoughts on this stuff. And the more one reads and um, finds out uh, about You can draw your own conclusions. I think much like the AIDS campaign, uh, you know, in the beginning, which was ignored by and large. You know, this is not too dissimilar. And uh, unfortunately, what it's taking is more, more and more people, you know, becoming ill with this stuff. I remember specifically in, in 2013, I'm sure... I share this elation over the announcement the CDC made that they went from thirty thousand infected a year to three hundred thousand.
2: Yes, they and they found that zero locked in a closet somewhere and put yeah, it back where yeah. it belonged. Right?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me. How do you go from thirty thousand to three hundred thousand? And I think we all know and have read that it there's a very good chance it's upwards of of a million. Because yeah, it's probably
2: more like three million, right?
0: That, yeah, that, that yeah. go unreported and people are still running around and still don't know, you know, what they're dealing with. It's a mess, but uh, I dare say, as I've always said, that the pot is is boiling over, you know, things like this latest story on the Hampton. I mean, they're getting clobbered out there. And there's so many, so many places still that these organizations are saying that this stuff doesn't exist, like Texas and the Carolinas, and it's insane. It is exactly, you know, what it is, because there's some very, very sick people out there. Through Facebook, I've spoken to to whole families, you know, parents and kids dealing with this stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's disgusting.
2: It is. So one thing I have come to learn in my, my my years on this planet is that artists and humorists have their fingers on the pulse of big trends kind of pulsing through society, Mm -hmm. and so what what do you see, what are the trends in Lyme disease that are kind of starting to bubble to the surface now, where do you see things
0: headed? Well, much as I thought the other day, having read that story on the Hamptons of a giant lime green wave hitting the beach, which hasn't come to fruition yet, I haven't drawn it, but that's the way I looked at it, in that you know, this stuff, they can say, they being the organizations, can say what they want, but this stuff is growing. And I did a cartoon at one point with the Capitol in Washington and a, and a bubble coming out and something to the effect in that bubble saying, uh, you know, sir, maybe we should start taking this more seriously. There's a tick on you. <laughs> so, so, you know, like anything, much like the, I think it's the Ebola with 600 people, you know, there's millions of people with this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, people, my God, some people that have have had it for upwards of, I've spoken to some 20, 30 years. Right. I mean, I, I have to laugh, McKay, when I read the article on, I believe his name was, Itsy, the 5,000-year-old Iceman.
2: Oh, right. Uh, yes.
0: It <laughs> was found in the Alps and guess what? They discovered Lyme disease. Yeah, poor
2: guy um, had Lyme disease, right.
0: And, and more recently there were four ticks that were found in, a, in an ember.
2: Uh, yeah, the, the piece of amber,
0: yeah. Yeah, amber and as I recall I mean, I I think I think it was upwards of fifteen million years. Yeah, uh, and they found the Borella in these ticks. So,
2: yeah, you know, so, I I I think this stuff has always been with us. And yeah. the, I'm I'm an acupuncturist, and part of the tradition of Chinese medicine is there's this idea of possession, uh-huh. uh, and it's how they would explain. Uh, some mental illness. But if you think of spirochete diseases, whether it's syphilis or Lyme disease or who knows what else is out there making people crazy, all of a sudden this, this silly idea of being possessed isn't so crazy anymore. Well, and we had this, this period of, of peace where we invented penicillin and we thought we could kill all these bugs. And it's now kind of dawning on us. Well, maybe we don't have this so much under control as we thought we did.
0: Well, I think, and it's so unfortunate that a guy like Dr. Alan McDonald gets swept under the rug, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I think when you speak of finger on the pulse, this guy knows exactly what's going on. And as you say, it's this microbe is akin to syphilis. And for those that don't know, syphilis patients used to end up in Added cells. And I've often heard that the spirochete loves the joints. I mean, at this point, what doesn't love? But, you know, loves the brain. And yeah, thus my naming of the cartoons themselves, you know, Lime Loonies, which, unto itself, is controversial and has been from day one because there was a story written by Mary Beth. Pfeiffer in the Poughkeepsie Journal and I've often called her the the pit bull of Lyme journalists she wrote about a specific doctor who was the head of the uh, program officer at the Lyme disease research program at the NIH and uh, an email was made public wherein it was said that upon saying goodbye, he said, well, I'll miss all of you people, the scientists, but not the lime loonies. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, I know there's some out there that, that don't agree with my tactic, but these doctors take the Hippocratic oath to do no harm. I, it's my feeling that a lot of these guys know exactly, you know, what's going on.
2: Hmm. Do you know the story of Ignaz Semmelweis? he he was a physician in the mid90 early mid 19th century and mm-hmm. he came up with the idea that doctors should wash their hands.
0: Oh, I think I do recall something about that. He was run he,
2: thought he
0: was crazy or, he, he like, was
2: run out of the profession and he ended up in an insane asylum. Where within a week of being there, he was beaten to death. Oh my! God. And that—that that is, I—I I joke around in some of the interviews. I refer to publishing in the science as as science's blood sport. But science, we have this fantasy that science is this. Uh, search for truth. And once truth is recognized, everybody moves out of the way and lets it come to the surface. The cream rides to the top, but it's not. It's, it's power and it's egos and it's struggle. And it, it, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily the science that wins out. Eventually it does, but it, like with hand washing, it may take a well, I- hundred years to become practice. I mean, he was yeah, not I, recognized till long after he was dead.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like many, wish the cream would would rise tomorrow. But uh, <laughs> we need
2: I, we need a separator. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: I mean, we've got a few cows here, so we've we've got a few of these dairy tools around. We need to well, put these dots in there and spin it. them around a little bit.
0: You need to make a big one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no I mean I recently spoken with someone upstate who's very involved politically and I told her I stay out of that fray uh, and I'll let those who are probably much smarter and and those that can deal in that arena do so. Um, yeah. but again, I suppose my my voice and anybody that knows the cartoons, I've certainly taken my swipes at what I feel has been done to this community and, and by whom? And I I'll never forget I had a discussion with a, a well known doctor in the line community and I was seeing him about all the neuro stuff and I remember saying at that point I really didn't care whether it was chronic or post-symptom. And I must say I have regretted that ever since because it's my belief that the minute that the headlines read chronic, that means that obviously uh, insurance companies will have to pay for long-term treatment. And uh, again, it's my belief that the last thing that they want to do especially given the numbers so i do think that this is motivated by and large by money greed politic and all of the above
2: yeah i've heard described recently as a perfect storm
0: Yeah, no it it is and i for one hope I hope it starts
2: pouring <laughs> <laughs> well i here's here's what I believe I believe that you know each cartoon that you do, each interview that I do, every post on facebook, every twitter it, you know and each each version of the story and it's important each each version of the story is important, and that each one's a snowflake and and by themselves it's a delicate little thing. But I I live in Central New York, you know, a little further than Upstate, but a little, and we're we're in the snow belt. And let me tell Uh you, when it starts snowing, it gets everybody's attention.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And but one one snowflake is insignificant. But you know, we just need to keep telling the stories, keep telling the jokes, keep writing the cartoons, keep talking to people out there, because we all know probably a dozen people who are walking around with some form of undiagnosed tick-borne disease.
0: Oh, well. You
2: know, that's either misdiagnosed or undiagnosed, and somebody saying, oh, I'm just getting older, or it's my bad knee, or whatever, or my mind's just going because I'm not 20 anymore.
0: Well, there again, I did a, a cartoon of a doctor looking at a woman, and the joke being, he said, you've got Lyme disease, and there's, Lit marks all over his face because she's so elated with having finally, (laughs) you know, gotten a diagnosis. Um, As I said, I don't envy anyone with any disease, but I feel uh, very strongly that, and I, you know, there could be a couple of other diseases around, but this one, we're definitely being kicked around like a can. But uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, I think that the numbers are are becoming such that behind closed doors they're whispering, "We got to do, we got to do something about right.
2: this." Well, I, I truly believe it is going to be like the hand washing, and all, a lot of these complicated diseases are just going to kind of fade away into history, and they're just going to be recognized as a as an infection. Uh, well, and and that's one reason why they're not having success with some of these diseases is because they're barking up the wrong tree.
0: Yeah, you know, there's there's much talk now, in particular, of a, a Dr. Kim Lewis uh, researching persisters, and I mean, things are beginning to stir. Not soon enough for myself, right. but um, I think, as I say, it's it's a tidal wave, and I think, as was mentioned in that article in the Hamptons, I mean, they've set up a special section of the hospital to deal with this because they're getting so many patients coming in so it's really really unfortunate but this is the sort of thing that is going to do what needs to be done politically you know listen if if there was one person out there with this stuff goes without saying a politician wouldn't listen too much but these lobbyists for the insurance companies and so forth they can only stay back the tides you know for For so long, and I think there will come a time when I don't care how much money there is, just too many people are going to be sick with this stuff. That's my feeling. and uh, But I know I share that feeling with a a lot of other people. Yeah,
2: that's why we're talking to you, because we're interested in what you feel.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, Dave, you've been very generous with your time, and I want to thank you uh, for your insights and for your work. I love your cartoons they really, well, they really touch a deep place and a true place in the community. Well, so thanks.
0: I thank you kindly for having me on the show. And uh, I'm glad, you know, these things do touch you. Uh, as I say, uh, you know, laughter is good medicine. Um, and I'm not laughing all the time, but that's helped a lot with myself. Again, I thank you kindly and thank you for getting the word out there.
2: All right, that concludes our podcast for today. If you have any feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email or the email address is
1: feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com.
2: Also, please like us on Facebook. You can also visit the website at
1: www.LimeNinjaRadio.com.
2: And also, you can get Lime Ninja Radio from iTunes or from Stitcher. And if you have a moment, please uh, leave a review for us there, too. We'd really appreciate it. And finally, Aurora, please tell us the ninja fact of the day.
1: Did you know that ninjas can divide by zero? for considering any new treatment.